0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona,
1: it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to STEM Unplugged, a monthly podcast designed to help you learn about STEM initiatives and advance STEM awareness. I'm your host of the show, Kelly Green, the Chief Operations Officer of SciTech Institute, a collaborative nonprofit organization making STEM connections in Arizona and beyond. In the studio, I have my co-host, Chief Science Officer of the Year, Valentina.
2: Hi, everyone.
1: In this episode of STEM Unplugged, we will be exploring tech companies supporting our communities.
2: Our guests today include Roxanne Wingate, the Senior Community Relations Specialist from Cox Communications, and we also have Matt Clark joining us. He is the Director of Arizona Government Affairs for Verizon. Welcome to you both. Thanks for joining us for STEM Unplugged. Thanks for having us.
1: Roxanne, in your role, you support Cox's community outreach efforts, including Cox's Connect to Compete program. I understand this special program helps reach low-income students. Can you tell us more about
3: it? Yes, and thank you for having me. Yes, so Cox Communications has been focused on bridging the digital divide since 2012 through our Connect to Compete program. Our Connect to Compete program helps connect families online to affordable internet, and this is for qualifying low-income families. So qualifying families can receive our high-speed internet for $9.95 a month, and that includes no installation fees, no deposits, and no contracts. It also includes a free Wi-Fi motor rental. All of this to help bridge the digital divide in our community.
2: Yeah, and given the current situation, the internet has become an essential tool, especially for work and distance learning. And getting more into the specifics who qualifies for the program and where can Interested Families sign up?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So the digital divide has been an issue for many years. And now with COVID-19, digital divide has been highlighted. And um, that definitely has happened with know, schools now moving to online remote learning and having more students needing a reliable broadband connection in order to um, complete their uh, school curriculum. So qualifying families um, include uh, families who have a school-age child in the household, that's kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade. And families who receive government assistance uh, benefits through programs like the National School Lunch Program, which is where families receive free or reduced lunch, or families can receive SNAP or TANF benefits, or they live in public housing. Any interested families who want to take advantage of our Connect to Compete program can do so by visiting our website, cox.com slash connect to compete. Or they can
1: call our one eight five five number at 1-855-825-1466. That's awesome. So Matt at Verizon, you serve as the government relations director for Verizon in all of Arizona, mm-hmm. and you help to navigate the challenges and opportunities that face Verizon as it grows its worldwide telecommunications network. How has Verizon shifted to engage communities and provide support during the pandemic?
0: Well, I think first and foremost, uh, the biggest challenge we had to make was once the the pandemic hit and uh, it was almost an overnight switch to moving Mm -hmm. many people to home. So not only did we face the challenges as a company of moving most of our workforce from office settings to at home, but also recognizing that the traffic on the network went up significantly.
1: Significantly. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we were were looking at, I believe it was uh, 800 times the amount of volume that went out during Mother's Day, which is our number one um, call day and whatnot. Um, So we had significant movement on the network, data usage, whatnot. So that was the first challenge, was making sure that the network stayed up to date and ready to assist as it moved forward. Some of the things that we've looked at moving as we've gone to assist the community in um, the pandemic has been kind of hereful. First, we signed the FCC pledge, which uh, ensured that we did not cut off service or deny service or uh, whatnot for 30 days, and then we extended it till the end of June. So that was one of the things we wanted to make sure that none of our customers worried about paying their cell phone bill or being cut off at a time of need. That's important. Yeah, it was. It was incredible. And a lot of people took advantage of it. And so we wanted to make sure that that people were aware of what was going on and that they could get up-to-date information and stay in touch with their families and whatnot as it was going through and just take one worry off their plate. Um, Some of the other things we did was, uh, you know, we looked at waiving internet and voice service charges for our lifetime customers for two billing cycles. We expanded our data usage to all of our Verizon Innovative Learning schools. So that was one of the things that we recognized is these uh, kids were going into the homes, many without having internet access or or access to these kind of uh, connectivity and whatnot. So we wanted to make sure that there was data usage there that could access through the schools. Those are just a few of the things we did, you know, waiving fees on new and and, uh, upgraded lines, different things like that. So we just wanted to make sure that as, as everybody was dealing the transition and being forced into their homes or, you know, having their businesses at least temporarily paused, that we took one worry off their plate as they 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 move forward. So
1: yeah, I think that was really important for those, you know, essential versus non-essential versus how do I keep my students, my children entertained, right? I don't have children of my own. But as a previous teacher, right, the mm-hmm. idea of if you only have one or two devices and one of them's your cell phone, how do you not run out of data? So that, I think that's yeah. a really important um aspect of what happened. So thank you to Verizon for that. You mentioned the Innovative Learning Schools. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Innovative Learning Schools?
0: So Verizon has a program that that seeks to uh, bridge the digital divide. And what we do is we uh, identify middle schools and at-risk areas. And we provide um, data and technology and connectivity uh, and devices. And so what we'll do is we'll onboard uh, the teachers. So they'll come in from the middle school, the uh, the, the area we choose. Teachers will come in. We'll walk them through how to use the devices, how to connect on. And so we have a training uh, seminar for them. And then in the fall, we bring in all of the students in the middle school and we give them their devices. And it's actually kind of like Christmas. Um, so they come yeah, in, they're excited <laughs> and they keep them uh, through their time there. And, and it's just a way to say, OK, we recognize that in elementary school, they're probably not responsible enough to have the devices and use them on a regular basis. But we also rec- we recognize that these are the schools and the tools in which they'll be using moving forward. So we want to make sure that we introduce it as, as quickly as possible in the most responsible way possible. So that way they can use them in their schoolwork moving forward.
1: So I wanted to talk, bring Valentina in on this point, right, as you're going to be eighth grade this year. Yes. And so, you know, for all of the rest of the adults in the room, if we think back to what eighth grade looked like, I can't imagine the focus on the digital learning aspect that now your school already had it, right? We use the Google platform for the CSO program. But the idea that this has become the norm, right? How, how are you feeling about this digital connection, the expectation of you are self-managing as a student without that in-class interaction with a teacher? How are you feeling about that?
2: Um, well, I think, definitely think it's amazing how we've been able to adopt doing everything virtually. And it's definitely amazing how that program gives students the resources to still succeed in today's digital world. So I, I definitely think it's amazing how we've been able to adopt given the current situation.
1: Yeah, and same with Cox, right? The, the commitment to those families, those communities around the state of Arizona. And, you know, SciTech is really hoping to build out our ecosystem hubs and identify locations that maybe don't have connectivity at all. And I think some of our work with our local native tribes has really identified that, you know, it's not even a Cox location. So building out that network and building the broadband across the state and the, you know, the collaboration between Verizon, Cox, and um, Viasat, for example, and these other companies that are really trying to get everyone connected. So it's important for students to know um, we're doing the best that we can as a, as a group of STEM individuals, STEM industries. I wanted to ask, what are some of the successes you've experienced with these tech innovation and programs? Roxanne, do you want to start and you know maybe give us a story about some of the success you've either witnessed or experienced as a member of Cox Communications?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, most recently, as a response to COVID-19, just like Verizon, you know, Cox Communications, we also joined efforts with the FCC pledge and made sure to, to keep um, America connected, right, with through that pledge. And one of the um, other enhancements that we also did with our Connect to Compete program was all um, new Connect to Compete customers who enrolled between March 13th and May 15th as we were Ending that school year, um, we provided free service up until July fifteenth for those new Connect to Compete customers. In addition, we also increased our internet speeds from twenty five to fifty through July fifteenth, and we did this because we realized many, you know, students were now going work from uh, school uh, from home model. Parents were also going to that work from home model, um, you know that competing bandwidth was definitely um, something that was a new normal in households. We wanted to make sure we increased the internet speeds for our connected customers for that. In response to COVID-19, we've been able to link arms with other corporate partners who have come and really joined resources to help many of our um, families in need. And when I say in need, when we talk about the digital divide, it's, you know, devices, it's a reliable broadband connection. We recently had a partnership with the Arizona Cardinals and State Farm where we gifted 150 families free devices, as well as one year free internet. And That's this awesome. is again, something that we did in partnership with the Arizona Cardinals and State Farm with um, families from Roosevelt Elementary School District and Phoenix Elementary School District. Yeah. And if you think about that one device,
1: right, it really could be the changing factor. Maybe you don't, you know, I mentioned your phone, but there are some families that don't have reliable um, service or they're not on a plan or, you know, they're paying month by month. So I think that is incredible what you guys were able to do. What about you, Matt? Any cool experiences or stories?
0: Sure. I think one of the the, the cool things that we did is is before I, my time at Verizon, I had worked for the, the governor's office. So as you can imagine, um, COVID hits they suspend schools, then they suspend schools for the year, and um, there's just there's a desire to kind of get hotspots and any kind of devices mm-hmm. into the hands, especially in some of the communities where, like you said, you know you have dad or mom's phone, and that's kind of serving as the main device that's that's in the home. And so one of the things that we did was we got together with our team. We started thinking, like, how can we help the state out? What are we doing? Because, you know, our state wasn't the only one that was dealing with it. And all of a sudden, the supply chain that had been just kind of getting ready for the summer where maybe there's a, a, a promotion here or there. They're off the shelves, and it's right. not like you can just walk into a Verizon store and say, "Hey, I need five thousand hotspots. Can you get them to me tomorrow?" <laughs> so I'm sure, I'm sure Cox kind of experienced the same thing. Is is that we were we were waiting for the supply chain to catch up? You know, we still can't get um, sanitizing wipes or or toilet paper. I think well, toilet paper starting to
1: come back. Yeah. It's making a comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah for it did. Sure. I
0: was I was at Costco and saw paper towels. I almost gave them a big hug. <laughs> Went around and started hugging some of the people in, but had to do my social distancing. Um, but anyhow, it, one of the things that we did is we huddled together, and and one of our our sales our government sales team recognized in their invoices that the state had purchased 200 hotspots but never turned them on oh. so we got in touch with the department of administration and others and said look you know we have these in our records let's search through and see if we can find them they found them and then over easter weekend what we did was they they dropped them off at, at our at many of one of our storefronts and we had our employees because the stores were closed over easter weekend chest all of their power upload them with sim cards and get them ready And go out the door so that by Monday or Tuesday, the governor and the superintendent were able to announce, "Look, we've got 200 hotspots that we're going to start giving out to some of the schools and areas." So that was one of the the things about working at Verizon that I really appreciate so much is how everybody thinks about outside the box Mm -hmm. and looks at where there's problems that need to be solved. And said, "Okay, we can't do X, but maybe we can do Y," and then kind of ran to the ran to the problem and and came up with a solution. And, And then, like I said, doing it over Easter weekend, where many people sacrifice family time. Um, to really make sure that they could help the state out, so that these were ready to go as quickly as possible on on Monday morning, so that students would wouldn't go for, wouldn't go without for longer than necessary. So
1: that's pretty powerful, right? We say at the chief science officers, don't just hope it happens, make, make it happen. It happen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's awesome. What about you, Valentina? Have you experienced any you know significant opportunities or um, engagement any anything different or exciting during the pandemic?
2: I definitely think uh, during the p- pandemic it's been um, very. It's been very cool being able to uh, communicate with many other CSOs in the program, like internationally. So I definitely think within our network, we've been communicating to many other CSOs that I haven't really gotten the chance to communicate with before.
1: Yeah. So even though you've traveled to Sonora, Mexico to train new CSOs, you had the opportunity to connect with um, chief science officers in Kenya, for example, in Kuwait, or, you know, even Pennsylvania and Oregon and having these group calls has been really cool. And I know um, both you and Roxanne have been part of our STEM community lunchtime conversations. So the idea that people are at least still joining those Zoom calls and really trying to stay connected and keep, you know, the finger on the pulse of what's going to happen next and where, what does school look like and how is this going to go forward? So at Cox, what are some of the ideas are are things going to stay the same after things get back to normal? Is there a new normal? What, what are we kind of thinking about when school maybe goes back in session? I think there's a lot of controversy right now. But what is Cox planning to do when we return to normal, if there is a return to normal?
3: Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's it's hard to say when and what that's going to look like, right? But what we can to do is prepare for the next upcoming weeks. And as we prepare for the back-to-school season, you know, there's something that we realize we're going to have more parents and more students who are in need of, you know, reliable broadband connection to make sure that they still have that The right tools in the household to do remote learning. So, what we actually are excited to announce is we're gonna offer another 60 days uh, free for new Connect to Compete customers who enroll between July 21st through September 30th. So again, this is going to assist more families as they navigate that uh, new school year. And, you know, looking at what tools do I need in my household in order to have my students successfully navigate, you know, kinder first, second, all, you know, all the way up to high school, what are the tools that we need? So we want to make sure that we're there providing a reliable broadband connection for families in need. Yeah, can you imagine a kindergarten classroom I,
1: I don't even want to think I, I, about I it. I did it.
0: I I did it last year. My son was in kindergarten. From oh, Mar- no! <laughs> March to uh March to May was probably the <laughs> the nicest word I can think that's safe on the radio is interesting.
3: Experience. <laughs> same here. Same year I had yeah. a kindergartner. And a second grader, and I'm preparing oh. for a first grader and- Oh bless you, both of yeah. your hearts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just <laughs>
1: got a dog. He's in the studio with us and you know, he's pretty spoiled. So I could not imagine. So as a parent, right? So let's let's talk about that for a second. How are you feeling as professionals? With you're both very prominent in your in your role at your organizations. How does that impact your children being home all day with you and needing to complete their assignments? Did you have or how did you feel or if you're willing to share right what were some of the challenges you faced
3: well for me what was really successful is to definitely have you know a routine and a set aside you know time frame for our children and for us my both my husband and I are fortunate to work for great companies who you know understand this new merge of work and home life together um, so it for us it was just you know setting those routines and you know setting expectations with our children and having that conversation with them and we were very fortunate to have wonderful teachers provide amazing curriculum online engaging for our students you know through Google Classroom through Zoom it's amazing to see what our teachers are now having to do and you know bring out into our communities with our students so you know for us we just found a nice little routine that worked for us and and you know now we're we got a taste of what it looks like with on you know online remote learning so we're kind of prepared for this upcoming school year.
1: Yeah, big shout out to those teachers, right? I like I said I was in the classroom before and I'm truly blessed to be in this position I am now, but a lot of my friends are still teaching and so that transition is tough. You you love working with your students and there's a growth that happens, you know, from the beginning to the end of the year and It's sad that they didn't get to celebrate the end and I I worry for them because the beginning of the year is such a powerful connecting period. But Matt, what about you?
0: I just want to make sure that I get a copy of this so that my wife understands how much um, (laughs) I'm going to praise her at this point in time. If it weren't for her, I don't know how we would have been able to, to get it all on board. She, you know, she set up the schedules in the morning. She helped me kind of navigate through it and did it great. All the while, you know, she would be a week on, a week off. So it really wouldn't have happened without her kind of organizing and getting it together. I think the challenge was, is again, I have three, two were girls. Um, One was in fifth grade, one was in third, and then my son was a kindergartner. And so my girls were very good at being able to download their assignments, go through them and whatnot. And mostly what I was able to do was check it and kind of Get them to think a different way, especially when it came to some math and different things like that. But my son, it was all hands on deck. And what the challenge was is that, and, and I'm sure you recognize it as well with a kindergartner, was is that you'd sit down and go through the story and you'd start them writing, you'd do whatever, and then you'd have to jump on a conference call that went an hour you'd come back and he my son is chasing the dog with a stick thinking it's the funniest thing in the world and I'm just checking all the knives drawers to make sure that nothing sharp is out and it's just the stick that he's chasing him with. And so, you know, it was very much chase the squirrel mentality with him and if I wasn't on top of him 100%, He kind of lost interest because he's a six-year-old boy that doesn't want to sit in front of a computer all day listening Mm -hmm. to how, you know, um, whether or not they went camping or what they ate or, you know, who squashed the bug or whatnot. So you had that kind of element there. But we were able to – I feel we were able to at least tread water and maintain because the teachers had set up curriculum. They they knew what was was necessary to get them to the end of the year. and, And then everybody could kind of take a breath and reassess. I think the challenge moving forward, and this kind of goes to your earlier question, is is, is the new normal versus what it looked like and, and what's happening. And it's one of the things that, that I, I was raised in education. My mom was one of the business education community folks, worked for Motorola, did that for years before she retired. So education was one of those things we talked about around the dinner Table growing up. And I think what we're we're kind of not really grasping is the emergency situation that many at-risk students face yes. from not having it. So not only did we take many of these, 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 these students in, in neighborhoods where it was a challenge and in schools where it was a challenge and remove that safety net in mm-hmm. the school and in the teachers. We then put them in front of a device, many of which, or, you know, even if it's a small percentage, have never used nor know how to operate. Now we're expecting them again, and that was just to get them to the end. So they're already behind beginning. Then we give them something they don't know how to use to expect them to get to the end and tread water. And, and again, I have all the resources in the world. Great company, wonderful wife, smart kids, time and flexibility could make it work. And I feel like we were treading water. Right. I can only right. imagine what it's like to be the single mom who has to go to work and has you know her mother or father come in and watch the kids maybe they don't speak English, maybe they do, you know, whatever it is, but give them a device and say, here, Grandma, teach Timmy how to 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 figure out his algebra. And and so you're... you're and Grandma's now,
1: never learned how to log on. Exactly. Yeah, and so you I have that, that element.
0: So we already are behind the eight ball with these kids, and now we're starting school again online. So it's like we're taking the problem we had before, putting it in front of it again, and we hope that we've gotten them to where they can at least log on and have mm-hmm. some kind of understanding. And I, I know, but how do we make sure that this small gap does not become a, a chasm, you know, yeah. where it's an un, you know, we've set these kids back years. And so one of the things that, that we've looked at, and one of the things I've been given the flexibility to do through Verizon is work with some nonprofits to ensure that these at-risk kids can work with, say, a Boys and Girls Club or um, a YMCA or whatnot, where they create the safe space where they can log in with somebody who knows what's doing and can kind of walk it through in a parental role so again, if the, even if mom has to go to work or dad has to go to work or both have to go to work, the kids can go to a safe place, you know, get their instructional learning online with other peers that are socially distanced and whatnot, following all the safety guidelines. Mm-hmm. And, and at least we can maybe keep them treading water or get them to where they need to go. But secondarily, the way that I look at it is not just fixing the problem now, but into the future is how can we now leverage what we're doing? to improve moving forward. So we go back to the new and we get a we get a, a vaccine, we 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 whatever happens when we go back to the normal and they're in school and they're whatnot, how do we now use the tools that we've gifted to these organizations right. to Supplement that learning? Are there ways that we can work with the Boys and Girls Club and the local schools and whatnot to make sure that we start to backfill some of the knowledge that's been lost because of, of the COVID pandemic? So, those are kind of the focus areas that we're looking at moving forward.
1: I love that because, again, as a teacher, there, there are so many different ways a child learns. And when you have a classroom of 35 middle schoolers, I taught sixth grade math, you're not going to reach them all with the same activity and you have to differentiate. And so, knowing that we just empowered the teachers. To get creative and be online and learn how to use these different classroom portals where they could store all the information and post resources. Teachers are incredible. And they really were in survival mode, just like the parents. Mm -hmm. But the idea that they experienced something that they were not planning they were not ready to say, hey, let's all get online and create a Moodle. (laughs) And, you know, let's all create a Google Classroom. And, you know, how do I turn this into a video so that my students can rewatch it? So kudos to all of those teachers out there that really took this opportunity to now they all they have those resources for years to come, even if we return to the classroom. I personally here at SciTech, right, I've been challenging with our K-12 advisory committee of How do we change education? This is an opportunity for us to stop, think about the classroom, no more rows, collaborative group, project-based learning, integrate technology, advance STEM awareness so that then they can, like the chief science officers, have that opportunity to develop those skills of working together in a group, managing a project, understanding how it will relate to the real world. So I really think we, you know, despite all of the horrible aspects of the pandemic. We really are at an incredible turning point. And we have companies like both of your companies really willing to say, we just gave you a whole bunch. What can we do to actually leverage that and train the teachers, train the students, train the parents, train the grandparents? Yeah. And I, I think that's important because even Valentina, right? You're an older sister. Yeah. So I think a lot of families, which I you know, was able to communicate with a variety of different people, the older siblings became the educators. And while that's very important, I absolutely adore my three older sisters. I don't want them teaching me my math. (laughs) And so the idea that we need to recognize that you also need those opportunities to improve your learning, not necessarily just manage your brother's learning. So I I think we're at a really cool turning point.
2: As a student, I definitely think that that guidance and that being able to stay engaged does make the profound difference in the learning environment. So
1: yeah, and facilitation I think is is the key word, maybe. and I think some
0: of the hope is is that we use these these lessons learned or these technologies available to like I said, supplement. So for example if you have a sick kid that catches the flu and is home for a week or a kid who breaks his leg and is home for a week or two because they have to be on bed rest or whatnot. It's not just COVID. I had my
1: tonsils out. I was home for right. a week. There
0: you go. <laughs> How can we use um, an online learning school to where they can get it? And, right. and whether it's recording lessons that are given that they can then be played back on YouTube through the district, you know, maybe district sets streaming up a YouTube live. channel streaming yeah. live, different things like that where it's, okay, all of a sudden we can completely re-envision because we're forced to yep. to deal with, with maybe what's a year-long challenge. But how do we now take these lessons learned and not fall back into the same old mold, mm-hmm. but use them to kind of kickstart it forward and really kind of build in or benefit and take kind of these business practices that we've all learned and gotten better at and apply them to an educational learning that really, really kind of jumpstarts these students and gets them thinking in different, and different. And like you said, collaborative learning and others, not that I'm an education expert. It's from <laughs> Verizon's standpoint, we just want to make sure we, these kids are in a safe environment where they can learn. But, right. You know.
1: But Verizon's really understanding that it takes the discussion to get it started. And I think Cox is the same way, right? They've been working with us for years. And the idea of let's talk about it. What do you see as a challenge who can we bring to the table? What what do we privileged individuals mm-hmm. think is a challenge? But then let's actually ask the person that we're, you know, trying to engage with. And I think that's that's the nice part in the new work that we're really doing at SciTech. We, you know, we have Katie in the room as well, who's working on the advanced manufacturing and advanced technologies piece of understanding what's available in Arizona and really getting people to kind of look up and say, I get it. It's a tough situation. But we have so many people willing to make it better. Let's come to the table and talk about how we do that. And, you know, I think at Cox, right, you guys, this this family organization, and as a parent, Roxanne, I think you really have a nice, you know, role in this whole discussion of how how do we prepare the adults, right? What do we need to say to those adults that, look, we get it. It's going to be a rough, if we don't go back until October in person, what are we going to do? How are we going to help them? What What could we do as these three companies, these three organizations and our chief science officers? What kind of resources could we create? Or, you know, what do you think you would need as a parent, Roxanne?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, an example of that, right? Us going to the community asking, what is it that we can do to help you um, as we connect you online? One of the things that we actually did um, most recently in the... In the uh, Years is we realized that many of our Connect to Compete customers were actually connecting to the internet for the very first time. Right. Is, okay the connection the first step that digital literacy is step two right we want to make sure that if they're online they're making the most out of their internet connection so one of the things that we did in response to that after surveying our connect to compete families was we created a digital academy that's free available to anybody um, on our website uh, cox.com slash connect to compete it's bilingual free tutorials we partnered with um, um, other organizations like common sense media to provide Just digital literacy training, focusing on internet basics, you know, social media, online safety, how to open up an internet um, browser and place the safety filters, how to open up an email account. I mean, the things that we probably... You've already went 10 steps past what I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to go watch your video. (laughs) (laughs) Tutorial. <laughs> Absolutely, they're free and available to everybody. And again, bilingual, because again, we realized that connection was the first step. Right. Then we started listening to our families, our connected families, and we realized a lot of them, again, were connecting to the internet for the very first time. We realized that digital literacy is is was a big piece to it, and it still continues to be, and not just for the parents, you know, for the teachers. I mean, we realized this is another piece of the big puzzle right. when we talk about um, the digital divide. I remember two years ago
1: at the Chief Science Officer's Leadership Training Institute at ASU, I was trying to take a, a selfie video, <laughs> and I didn't know how to use my cell phone. To I didn't know I had to hold the button or hold the screen the whole time. And the students, I'm telling you, these you know 13 to 17-year-olds are laughing hysterically at me, but I did not know my phone well enough. And I feel like I'm pretty tech-savvy for the most part. But it was, I could not imagine if I didn't know how to turn on my computer, how intimidated I would be as, you know, a 40-year-old woman to be able to turn to if I had children to say, honey, can you show me how to turn it on? And I think that is the next piece of how do we really let people know it's okay if you don't know? Because so many people are intimidated or embarrassed or concerned that they're going to, you know, be not left out. But I, I think there's you know, some I don't know how are you guys feeling about that topic. <laughs> You've grown up with a device in your hand, probably, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I definitely think um, if you were need uh, were to need help in that area, definitely accepting the fact that you do in the first place is definitely very important. So. But
1: do you think like, oh, these adults—they just are have no like. How do you feel as a student looking at us who? We didn't, I grew up with a rotary phone, <laughs> let's be honest, right? Like yeah. <laughs> two, four, and sometimes seven. So when, you know, we didn't have cable, we lived in, we, my parents still live in the boonies and, you know, Verizon, I, I'll go home, but I have to go to the top of the hill or on the second story to be able to get reception. So I think there's, you know, still places across the United States and definitely around the world that are still in that space, right? So Verizon, very strong connection. But when I drive down the hill and I'm in the boonies of Western New York, You know, it's just it's not happening. So, yeah, I worry about those people that are afraid to get a device or afraid to get with technology just because they're, you know, they're intimidated saying, I don't know how to use the device. So.
0: Well, and I think one of the things that we did and or we, we focused on one of the things we were grateful when the governor put his stay in the homeowner place for a couple of weeks was is that he, he left many of our stores open as essential services. Right. We also trained many of our store folks to turn into customer service reps. And so what we wanted to do was to make sure that if anybody called again, you know, I, I got a new phone or my phone is broken. I don't know how to use it, especially those first time users or the elderly, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, for example, My mother, if she, every (laughs) problem under the sun, my Verizon phone's not working. Did you turn it on? How do I turn it on? Exactly. It's the button on the side because I got in her new phone. The, the button used to be on the top. There's now it's four on the buttons side. on the side of this yeah, and, right here. And only two of them tell you, tell the government exactly where you are. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just in case anybody's listening. I don't to think, think
1: I installed the update, so and I don't it, think it's working. No, no.
0: It's, uh, so there's there's a really, there's a challenge around how to navigate a phone, especially if it's new or what if it breaks or what happens. And so a lot of, um, uh, uh, you know, ones that I would call my mother or my the grandmothers or whatnot of the world, um, they aren't comfortable calling on the phone and speaking to somebody or texting what the problem is mm-hmm. or having somebody walk them through or viewing a YouTube video because it it just it doesn't. They like well, having walk when you sent it to through. her, right? When you yeah. gave
1: your mom the new phone. I'm holding here my um, Samsung Galaxy S10e that work provided. I don't know all of the cool gadgets on here either. Nope. And so when you send it to your mother or when you present it to her, I don't think when you look at it, back in the old days, my very first cell phone had actually push buttons and it said PWR. And I used to show that to my middle schoolers and they would be like, how do you turn it on? And, you know, they had the the little power or the antenna that you pulled out. So the idea that now we're putting devices in the hands of people who came from the rotary or no telephone, you know, era, these slick little devices that can, they're literally a computer in your hand. You know, how are we preparing them? And I I would love for us to maybe even collaborate on, you know, that elderly community. We have so many here in Arizona that, you know, potentially having CSF, again, if you're interested, right, training the elderly of how do you use FaceTime? I know that was a conversation. There were other messenger apps, I think, that were, you know, helping the grandparents stay connected. But
0: Well, and it's one of the things we, we early on, well, the attorney general So we go back to the elderly and and how do we do it is not only are we looking at kids and education, building the gap and and make sure the network works and all this other stuff. Unfortunately, big times of emergency when people are kind of looking here is when the bad guys are are, are surfing in and taking advantage of the most vulnerable. So, of course, we've seen, you know, Mm -hmm. spam calls, um, um, different things like that where people are trying to, to, to rob grandma and grandma uh, uh, of, their, of their funds. And so one of the things that we've done is we, we've worked not only internally as a company to kind of address those, and really we have gone uh, and, and we've made significant um, inroads in being able to do that. We've millions of calls that we've stopped spam calls and different things like that but additionally here locally we were able to work with the attorney general um kind of identifying some of the things that we're doing and having a discussion with his office on how do we move forward to make sure that that we're doing that because oftentimes they found and this is from their anecdotal stories was uh for some reason they don't feel comfortable calling verizon they feel comfortable calling the ag and the ag's office is like well, you need to call Verizon or you need to call <laughs> right? T-Mobile or you need to call Cox or somebody, you know, that's a that's a you and them problem. We can't solve it because it's, you know, it's not our network. Um, and so what we're, we're looking at working with them on is, is kind of collaborating on how do we make sure that that information is available. So maybe it's a landing page with them or maybe they send them directly to us. But we want to make sure that there's that kind of that discussion with our local elected officials to make sure that, look, yeah. as you guys need this information, we're your partners. We want to help you because your constituents are our customers and right. we want to make sure that they're safe and it benefits everybody if we're, we're both attacking the bad guys as opposed to trying to figure out what's going on and what's happening. So that's that's kind of the stuff that we're doing at a local level with some of the elected officials, not only also on the network side where we're kind of building a robust protection and filter system that, that ensures that these things don't get through. But as, as somebody says, we have to be right 100 percent of the time. Bad guys only have to be right once. Right. So, you know, sometimes the odds don't work in our favor. But we do like working and collaborating with some of the locals to make sure that we're protecting our, our customers as well.
1: Do you find that at Cox too, that you're, you know, when you have installers out or you're having, you know, new customers at Cox that you, you have to walk them through like your customer service, both of your organizations have customer service opportunities and the chat boxes and all those good things. But do you find that the elderly connection, you know, they're, they're really concerned about understanding what's safe and what's not safe?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, all, you know, our vulnerable populations, we want to make sure we're taking care of them. And so again, our digital academy is actually, actually open to all. Um, it's not just parents with students. It's not just for students, you know, right. it's, it's for those who want to learn just internet basics and, you know, internet safety. All of those tutorials are online available for anybody who is interested in learning more. Yeah.
1: And we just like I said, we were having these STEM community lunchtime conversations. We just talked about um cybersecurity and, you know, what can you do to protect yourself? So the w- one thing I thought about were passwords too, right? Mm-hmm. That idea of um, you know, being creative with your password, remembering <laughs> what it is <laughs> and not sharing it or putting it in a place that somebody could find it. And there are just so many different things that, you know, it's multi-layered, but We just really appreciate that both of you are on the call tonight. And, you know, to our listeners, we encourage you to get involved in the STEM community. You know, maybe you're an industry professional seeking ways to make an impact, a student searching for a mentor or community collaborator, hoping to meet the right people to help make it happen. We want to help you get connected. So are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners, Matt, about Verizon, things that you're hoping to work on here in the upcoming months or, you know, just in general, tips or advice?
0: Well, you kind of put me on the spot. So I'll start off with Verizon is awesome. If, <laughs> okay. you, are, if you are not a Verizon customer, you should absolutely be. Um, but no, I, I just want to say that it's, it's wonderful. In the short time that I've worked for the company, it's wonderful to be part of a, of a community culture, of a corporate culture that runs to the problem and looks for solutions that really empowers its employees to be problem solvers and community involved and community engagers. And so those are the kind of things that I think that we, we will continue to do. And I would encourage those that, that have ideas or, or, or challenges or problems or different things like that, feel free to reach out to your local, um, either call them online, look online, uh, reach out to customer services and whatnot. We're, we're here to serve you and, and make sure that we can kind of get through this together. Uh, and Verizon remains committed to building not only the strongest network, but also to ensure that all of its customers are uh, treated in the best
1: way
3: possible. So
1: That's awesome. We you. really appreciate you being here. What
3: about you, Roxanne? Yeah, Cox's commitment to our community is, is you know, stronger than ever, especially in these new times that we're living. And so our efforts to help bridge the digital divide will continue to be of a strong focus for us. So I encourage anybody who's interested in taking advantage of our low-cost internet um, to please visit our website, call our 1-855 number. If you know of a family member, or a neighbor who would be interested in taking advantage of it, please do so. Or if, or if you're a nonprofit uh, partner who can share this resource within your network. You know, again, we just want to make sure that we're helping as many families have the right tools that they need for their students this upcoming school year.
1: Absolutely, I agree. What about you, Valentina? Any words of wisdom for the upcoming school year or any of your chief science officers out there?
2: Well, I, like, I kind of liked how, I think it was you who mentioned it, Matt, and the, like we're all in this together. So it's definitely, I think we should keep that mentality and um, to keep those creative solutions and out of the box ideas in mind, so.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, starting the conversation is important, right? Staying together. I read a quote earlier this morning on, I was reading from Henry Ford, right? Like working together is part of it and staying together is success, right? And really actually doing something. So... We just really want to make sure everybody knows how to get in touch with both Matt and Roxanne, right? Verizon and Cox, incredible companies that we work with here at SciTech Institute. And, you know, they've really supported the chief science officers program, mentorship, engaging on Zoom and on science calls during the pandemic and, you know, participating in STEM community lunchtime conversations. So we really appreciate both of you, all of the work that's being done by our tech companies to be innovative and support. Arizona learners across the state and, you know, provide those resources, the information required to stay safe in this current pandemic, you know, and with the hopes of school coming back in session at some sort of normalcy, um, you know, that finding that right balance of what, what happens next and, you know, how can we stay connected like you mentioned and work together? We're in it together. And so we want to thank you for joining us for this episode of STEM Unplugged, exploring tech companies supporting our communities. We appreciate both Matt and Roxanne and my co-host, CSO of the Year Valentina, for being on the show. If you would like more information, contact us at scitechinstitute.org. This is your host, Kelly Green, and we would be glad to discuss how you can get connected.